And uh, there was a moment when we felt like uh, Jesus walked off the sea in our room. The, uh, the ambiance, the, the brilliance, the anointing, and uh, we were unable to speak. We were unable to get dressed. Not that we were naked, but we, were, we weren't able to get ready for the next event that was taking place. And uh, still remember that today like it was yesterday. Uh, it is my desire that everyone in this house has the ability to go to Israel for, for a 10-day, 12-day and uh, I would recommend Perry Stone. He has, we feel like, the, the most complete favor. When tour groups were not going to Israel because of the terrorism, the government promised Perry safety, and he went. He took several trips that other companies were not going, and because of that, he has favor with the government, and he gets to go places that other tour groups do not get to go. He gets God has given him favor there, and certainly he has favor, and that's, that's on your bucket list. Uh, start saving your your uh, quarters and dimes and nickels and be a part of that. But we have two this morning that have just encountered ten days in Israel, and uh, they did not know that I was going to do this. But I am putting them on the spot, and I'm going to ask them to come and just share maybe a moment or maybe a uh, something God gave them or something they encountered. And probably several things, but maybe that one thing that really impacted their life. And Christine, I'm going to start with you, if you'll come. And again, this was unrehearsed, unplanned, but uh, 10 days or 12 days? Well, we were gone for 12 days, but we were there for 10 days. Well, yeah, we just got back, um, when was it? Wednesday. And we were there for, yeah, 10 days for like a week and a half. But I'd say for me, it was crazy to be there first off, and it was crazy to be where Jesus walked and he healed. And the first place that we were in, we were in Tiberias, and that was where the Sea of Galilee was. That was where a lot of things were, the going hide, stuff like that. And so we got to visit those places, and those places moved me a lot. Um, we, had a, we had a lot of fun. We were on boat rides. We danced. It was fun. It was just a great time. But I think for me, two places that really stuck out to me and then uh, an experience that I had kind of how the Lord spoke to me um, I'd say probably a place was first off being baptized in the Jordan River um, all of Remnant got to be baptized together and before um, we uh, we sang worship and I helped lead worship um, with Remnant and um, we just began to sing um, Natalie Grant um, washed in the blood of your sacrifice and everybody literally just began to weep because it was like we were being baptized in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized these places these things that happened at these places and so we began to just weep and it was such like an awesome moment to just be realized that we are washed in the blood by the <clears throat> by the blood of the lamb um so that was an awesome experience and another experience for me was when we went to is it called the Welling Wall is that what it's called? Okay. Um, we went there, and it was, we actually, don't tell anybody, but just Remnant went um, that night. We didn't include Perry's other people because we didn't want them to come. But, um, <laughs> yes, don't let me talk about that. But um, um, we went there, and um, just as Remnant. And I, when, I haven't told anybody about this except for I talked to Papa P about it. 
and he said he just thinks that the Lord was preparing my spirit. But when we were at the hotel, I came down for dinner, and I was completely fine. But when we came down, I started, I just, as I was walking to the table, I was walking to my friends, and I began to just feel like just this shakiness come over me. And I was sitting down, and I was talking to um, some of my friends, Devo and Mr. Gabe. And literally for 20 minutes, I had to hold myself back from weeping. I mean, I was just sitting there, and I was literally, I was like, I told Bailey, she was sitting next to me, I said, I'm just about to cry my eyes out. And I didn't realize it, but I talked to Papa P. Perry Stone, um, and he just said that he felt like the Lord was just beginning to work in me. We were already in Jerusalem, um, which when we came into Jerusalem, we all stood there and we weeped, realizing the city that we were coming into. But um, we got um, to the Welling Wall. And immediately we just began to walk. And you could see the respect that the ladies and the men had for that place. When they walked from the one wall, they did not turn their back towards it. They, they walked all the way back. The respect that they had for that place because they knew that that was such a holy place. And just sitting there, I don't want to cry, but just standing there and seeing those ladies just for 24 hours, seven days a week, they stand there. They have their Bibles in front of their face and they just weep. They just go back and forth. They just pray for things to happen. And in that moment, I felt so honored and so humbled to be there so that I could pray for the church, so that I could pray for my family, so that I could pray for my friends, so I could pray for the needs that my friends and family have needed to be met. And so I just stood there, and we just all began to cry, just all my friends. And my friend Emily, whenever she gets under the Holy Ghost, she begins to um, uncontrollably laugh. She can't help it. So I, I went up there, and she was standing there, and I just grabbed her hand because she didn't want to cause disturbance because, I mean, when she laughs, she's already loud. She has this loud, loud laugh. And so I just grabbed her hand, and she was just weeping. But I went up there, and I stuck my, put my note in the wall, and I just began to weep, just praying for these things, just feeling honored and humbled that I was there and that I was able to pray for these things. And when we walked away, some of Remnant, we had our backs to the wall, and immediately we turned around because we realized the place that we were in, and we realized that we wanted to have the same respect for that place as those people did. And so I think it was just, it was a moving trip. It was awesome. It was fun. It was crazy. And I think uh, we got to go to a lot of places. We got to, I got sick twice on this trip, sadly. But one, the one day we went to where um, the church and the Garden of Gethsemane, I think that's how you say it, um, where Jesus was arrested and where Peter, um, where, yeah, Peter, he cut off the servant's ear. And I think the whole trip, it was so awesome to be to be there because the whole trip, the Lord, the way he moves in my heart is so simple. And what he spoke to me is like that his love endures all and like things that really stood out to me. Although I already knew this, thinking about when Peter cut off that servant's ear and the Lord and all, all of his grace and his forgiveness and his beauty, he picked it up, he healed them, and he said, no more. And he just had such grace and beauty and such forgiveness. And when he got on the cross, even then, at us, we would be like, oh, my gosh, like, Lord, you, I mean, God, you have to curse these people. They've, they've whipped me. They've tortured me. But in the, the Lord and all of his beauty, he was on that cross, and he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so I think for me, it was just so moving to realize that the Lord his love does endure, and his grace is so much more, and, like, just to walk and to see where that happened, and so it was so amazing, and it was life-changing, but, yeah, so I'll let Bailey get up here and do her thing, but, yeah. (laughs) Hello. Um, 
Whenever we got there, it truly did not set in that I was in Israel. I slept the whole flight, so I didn't really look out the window much. Um, but it was just it was such an, a, cr- a crazy experience. I re- it really didn't set in that we were truly there, like where Jesus had walked until we got baptized in the Jordan River. And it was like such an experience that I, I can't even explain. Just like the fact that he was baptized there, like I'm not worthy enough to be baptized in that water, like... It was crazy, and um, another place that really stuck out to me is we went to the museum in Israel, and uh, Papa P was just talking about the different things in the museums, and there was, um, we got over to a place where it was like talking about like Egypt, and there was like these little, uh, I think it was like sculptures or clay things of like the gods um, in Egypt, and Papa P was just saying that, um, in the plague in Egypt, like, everything that happened, all the certain things, like, the gods, like, had power over those things, like, the flies and those things, but God just showed his dominion over all of that by, like, doing those things that those gods did, and that was just crazy to me, and just, like, learning the facts about things, like, I love learning stories in the Bible and just being aware of this place, like, where it was taken place, and at the Caesarea Philippi, just where there was so much death and so not not any life, but the Lord and his disciples were standing there, and he said, I'm going to build my church upon this place. And just, like, the life that is there and that every, like, um, Capernaum and I think it's Chorazin, something like that, and just that Jesus, like, cursed those cities and that they're still today not built up. There's nothing made from them. There's just ruins and I can't explain how much this trip has meant to me. And just even like reading my Bible now, like I do not read it the same. And it's just, I'm so thankful. (laughs) Thank you. I was sharing with the girls this morning 36 years ago when when I stood before the Welling Wall. And the Welling Wall is made of thousands of, what would you say, stones, Chris, with mortar, with mortar in between. And, uh, a wild, a wild guess. Probably over a million people have stood before that wall. Is that a, that's easy, easy a million? And what what happens is you you write your prayer, and you stick your prayer in between the mortar. So there's hundreds of thousands of prayer requests, and millions of people, a million people at least, have stood there. And uh, the Welling Wall is where the Jews are praying for the Messiah. To return, and you know the saddest thing, they missed it. <laughs> he did return, and they missed it. But I, I was telling the girls when I when I went to the Welling Wall, I only wrote one. I only wrote, wrote one word on a piece of paper, and tucked it in the the Welling Wall, and that word was marriage. Because at that time I was divorced, and uh, I wrote my marriage, and tucked it in that wall. Then thousands of people after that came and prayed for all the prayers there people praying from all over the world, and uh, it really is a special place. If you have a weapon with you this morning, would like for you to remember um, Austin's grandmother went to be with the Lord Friday, Saturday, Thursday. My, 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 my week's all messed up, and there will be a viewing tonight at 6, and that's at Buckner on the, on the bypass. Yeah, on the bypass. There's something very special about the bypass when you go to Buckner. But uh, the, w- the funeral is tomorrow at 
2 o'clock at, at Buckner. And uh, we, we were able to be with Austin's grandmother at the Tennessee-Georgia game. And we actually visited with her when she was on the porch. And we came up and visited with her. And, uh, you know, you never know when someone's going to go be with the Lord. So if you love somebody, tell them now. Tell them why they can enjoy it and appreciate it. Thank you for the special uh, blankets and coats in the lobby, gloves. Uh, we're going to go one more, one more Sunday. And uh, we really need some coats. We really, really need. We've got a lot of blankets. We need some. We need some coats. So if you've got some coats in your closet that you're not wearing, and and they're good coats, if you'll bring them, we'll make sure and get them. There's over 150 indigents in Chattanooga living on the street, and uh, we're trying to take them blankets, trying to take them coats, and 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 maybe some food. I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're not going to back off this project. We're going to continue throughout the year. And let you know how we can be uh, a blessing. And, and there's, there's a part of this church that that's their heart. That's their ministry. So we're going to help them with their heart, their ministry. We're going to wind up in Genesis 48. But uh, this, this past week, sitting in a tree stand, I had some interesting things happen. In the box I was in one day, a squirrel actually uh, decided to join me. And I was half asleep. I was nodded off. And I was just kind of in a zombie mode. And uh, I don't know who was more startled, uh, me or the squirrel. The squirrel certainly didn't intend for me to be in the box, and I certainly didn't intend for the squirrel to try to get in the box. And then one morning, I had the privilege, and it was, it was a privilege. It's happened to me once before. But I had the privilege of watching a spider build a web. Uh, f- it was phenomenal. It was like he was hanging in the middle of nowhere, and they constructed a complete, uh, a complete web. And I was careful when I climbed down. I was careful not to damage uh, the web. But, you know, in, 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 in nature, when you're out and uh, you get a chance to reflect and get a chance to think, I just got to thinking about who we are and where we are and what God is doing in our life. And I got to thinking about eternal security. And I got to thinking about trust. Um, there are those in my life that have studied many different religions, many different roads to heaven, and many different paths and many different doctrines. And, of course, we believe what the Bible has to say. And when you f- reflect on what the Bible has to say, there are some phenomenal, incredible things in the Bible that the Bible does not a- attempt to explain. The Bible just states. And it's a matter of childlike faith that we either accept what the Bible has to say or uh, this is a joke. This is a joke and this is a fraud and we have all been tricked and we've all been deceived and uh, we're wasting our time coming to church, being a part of the family of God, the house of God. But I got to reflecting. I said, well, what, what, if, what if it is a fraud? What if there really is no heaven to gain, no hell to shun? What if there really is no God? What if it's just the words of man, I got to thinking about uh, what if we're wrong? And I got to thinking about, well, you know, I'm thinking about 50, 40, 50, 60 years of a healthy marriage. I got to thinking about all the quality friends that God has added in my life, all the people in my life. I got to thinking about my, my wife and my children being raised up in a Christian standard, doing, doing the right thing. I got to thinking about if, if, if I'm wrong, there's not really a lot that I've lost. Does that make sense? And when you really get down to think about it, 
serving God and being a Christian creates a utopia or creates a, a bubble that we dwell in. And everything that we do is focused on what we believe and what we stand for. And then I got to thinking, well, but what if I'm right? What if there really is heaven gain? What if there really is a God that lives on the throne and we are going to abide with him forever and forever? What if, what if the Bible really is the real deal? And uh, I, I have read, I've, I've studied Confucius, I've studied Buddha, uh, I've studied Muhammad, I have read uh, the Quran, I've read different, different, different religions and different paths, and I have come to the conclusion that the path that I've chosen and the path that I'm on is the right path because there's something in us as a grain of a mustard seed called faith. And when you, when you are in tune with the things of God and you hear what the Word of God has to say, there's something, as, as Christine tried to, to, to explain it, there's something that clicks. And all of a sudden, you know in your knower, how many knowers do we have? You know in your knower that that is truth. And, and there's just something that, that overwhelms you. And I have mentioned uh, from time to time through my high school uh, Facebook um, page, uh, I have reconnected. We didn't go to school together. He was younger than I was, but he is, uh, he is a doctor in several fields. He is probably a genius, and uh, his, uh, his verbiage and his wording, uh, when I read his posts, uh, first of all, I'm jealous, the knowledge that he has of the English language, but then as I begin to read, his, he's really focused on American history, and as I begin to read in there, I realize that something bad happened to him when he was younger that caused him to believe that there is no God and there is no heaven and there's no eternity. His uh, beautiful daughter, two years of age, passed away. And uh, I believe that was when he began to question. And then his precious wife of several years, just the past few months, have passed away. And, and as he responds through Facebook... And you realize I'm not saying things like, I'm praying for you. I'm not saying things like, well, God's in control. Because I realize that's not going to touch him. That's not going to reach him. So I've been very careful let the Lord use me. And this past week, I had two of my former alumni contact me and say, I appreciate so much how you are ministering to the doctor. How you're, how you're, you're, you're just, and, uh, and I begin to, I begin to reflect and begin to, look at some of the things in my life that, you know, there's things that happen that we question God. And when you look at a family that lost the wife and the two daughters, one was nine and one was 11, and you look at all the tragedies of life and all the bad things in life, and, you know, we hear of several homes that were uh, spared, and we hear of several lives that were spared, and then there's that question, well, that's great that God did that, but why didn't God do this? And so God created us with the ability to question. God created us with the ability to research, and the Bible says to search out a matter. He doesn't expect us to be zombies. He doesn't expect us to be parrots. He doesn't expect us to be clones. But he gave each one of us our own appetite, and we pursue that appetite as, as things change and things happen in our life. But, um, in a time of reflection, again, being in the, in the tree stand and watching, I watched the sun come up. I watched... The night noises cease and the morning noises begin. There's nothing like it. There's no church. 
There's no edifice. There's no sanctuary. There's no structure. I don't care how beautiful the stained glass window. There's nothing that compete with you being where God created and God created it just for you. And there's confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. There's a song that says, every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf or see the sky, then I know why I believe. And that belief should be so instilled in our heart that we can't, even when we try, we can't keep it quiet. We can't shut up. We can't stop talking about the love of God and the favor of God. And I've been watching the past several months as God has touched a, a, a particular business. And through that business, there have been about 18 or 20 decisions for the Lord. Just one person just believing and not afraid to share their belief. Because when you, when you know that you know and your knower knows that you know, there's an anointing that's attached to there that's called a confirmation. And whether people want to serve God or don't want to serve God, the world has this mindset that if you serve God, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't go here, you can't drink that, you can't say that, you can't look at that. But I have learned that in serving God, it's not a list of can'ts. It's a list of cans of all the things that he gives you that you're able to do and able to be a part of. And in reflection, I was just looking at some things um, in this book, what this book has to say, and I'm, I marvel at creation because Genesis 1-1, it doesn't tell you where God came from. It doesn't tell you how, you how he did it, but it just says in the beginning, God created the heavens. And when you, when you research the solar systems and when you watch Star Trek to boldly go where no man has gone before and you begin to realize you cannot put a zero after the number of stars in the sky. It's a, it's a number that's impossible to, to number. When you begin to look at the different, the, 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 all of the galaxies and, and we are a very, very, very small galaxy compared to the other galaxies. And the Bible simply says that God created the heavens. In Isaiah, the Bible says that God came from Teman. That Hebrew word means nowhere. God came from nowhere. So in the beginning, the God from nowhere stepped out on nothing, spoke to nothing, called it something, and called it the earth, and threw it out in the middle of nowhere to hang on absolutely nothing because he said for it to. And then the God from nowhere began to speak. He began to speak the stars and the sun and the moon. And then the God from nowhere began to talk to animals and trees and insects and, and, and flowers and all the things that he spoke into existence. And all that happened in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I marvel as I, I realize that uh, almost every week or so you're learning that there's an animal that you are not acquainted with. And I have an animal, I personally have an animal that I was never acquainted with. I didn't even know there was a, cata, a catahua. Uh, how many, you've never heard of a catahua? You have no idea what a catahua is. Well, don't feel bad because I had no idea what a catahua was. And when I first found out what it was, I even pronounced it by the wrong name. But catahua is the right name. Is that right, Gene? Catahua is a dog that was bred years and years ago to track deer and wild hogs. Well, I have a, I have a dog that can track deer and wild hogs. And I don't know why I would need a dog to track wild hogs, but if we ever have a danger of wild hogs, I promise you several of us in this building will be here to help you and we will protect you 
from the wild hogs because we have a dog that can identify a wild hog. And uh, as I begin to reflect on when you begin to go to the zoo and you begin to see animals and you look at the humor in which God created the animals, when you look at the giraffe, I mean, why would God create something like a giraffe or why would God create a hyena or why would God create a sloth? Or why would God create a platypus? And you look, at, you look at all these different animals and you realize that uh, God had a lot of spare time. And uh, he, just, he just would dream something up. I mean, when you look at the rhinoceros and the hippopotamus, and even before that creation, when you begin to look at T-Rex and you begin to look at some of the dinosaurs, that, I mean, God really was pretty bored, didn't have a lot to do. So he creates over 1,000 different species of butterflies, just, just, just butterflies. There's over 1,000 different species of butterflies. There's like 10,000 species of birds. And you begin to look around you, and you begin to realize that we didn't just crawl out of the ocean and sprout legs. There was a higher power. There was something that spoke this world into existence. And the Bible says, for our pleasure, for our, for our favor. He did it for us. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. For that, And then I think about the God from nowhere begin to play in the mud because that's what children do. And God played in the mud and God created a man. And he breathed his breath and nostrils of that man and God saw it. And he said, well, this is okay, but I can do a little better. So he made woman. We were created. Woman was built. Hello. He took ingredients. He went to a special trouble to create a woman. And guys, aren't you glad he did? Like God, we have learned that the minute you figure them out, they change the rules. They don't give you a manual. They don't update your, they don't update your webpage. You just got to go with the flow. Why? Because God was bored and he didn't have anything else to do. So God made a woman. And then I begin to think about childbirth. I began to think about, I remember as a, as a young man, 18 years of age, I worked at a, a mag shop that we put mag wheels on, on tires and cars would come in. I'd throw all the tires off and put wheels and valve stems. And we had, a, we had a dog in the back. His name was Big Boy. And he was a Doberman. He was half crazy. And uh, no, one, no one could touch him except me. And I, the reason I could touch him, I took him snacks. And after I gave him some snacks, after a while, he let me begin to pet him. But Big Boy had a wife. And she had children, and I watched all eight of them born, and it was the grossest, weirdest, freakiest, yuckiest experience. I mean, it was just like a blob with, sl with slobber and, and, and stuff all over it. And then the mama licked all the puppies and licked them all clean. And then when they were eight days old, I cut their tails off, and every one of them opened their eyes. It was an eye-opening experience. But you know what? Watching, watching a puppy or watching a horse or watching an animal being born is phenomenal, but it's nothing like watching your own child being born. I mean, it was, it was, it was when I was there with, with, with Courtney and uh, Christine, I almost missed her. I was deer hunting in Georgia, but I did finally get in there in time. I think I got there at 5, and she was born at 5.30 or something, so, but, I, but, I, but I did make it. But when, when Courtney came out of the womb, first of all, it completely freaked me out because I had no idea a baby could come. I mean, I, I just, it just, I, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't. And then I remember when I was trying to comfort Pastor Rhonda, her head spun around three times, and she said, 
don't touch me. I realized that there was a time to touch and a time not to touch. But then I, I, when, I, when, I think about, when I think about the children when, when, when they're born and, and the cry of the baby arouses the breast of the mother and begins to produce the milk, and you begin to see the bonding, and you begin to see that baby begin to grow. It's like every time we see Skylar, she's a little bit more mature than she was the, the day before. And you watch that growth, and you realize that God got bored, so God created children. And then when I look at the first children, I look at Cain and Abel, and I look at Abel being murdered for his testimony, and I look at the miracle of the blood crying out from the ground, and then I look at the miracle of angels, how God has blessed this earth with angels. And Jacob saw stairway going into heaven, leading up and down, angels coming up and down, ministering spirits, the Bible says they are, that God put those all together in our life because he was bored. And then when I begin to look in the Bible, I begin to look at the flood, how God convinced every single animal in pairs to walk up that ramp and to be in that flood. And I, wa and I watched as the, complete, the whole world was completely destroyed, but God spared a family, and God spared Noah and his wife and his three children. And then I marvel at the fact that Noah was 500 before he even began to build the boat. And I'm thinking he didn't have cable, he didn't have wet, he didn't have Facebook, he didn't have Twitter. I mean, even Noah must have been bored. And that's why Noah said, Oh, build an ark? Absolutely. I don't think anything else to do. I've been here 500 years. I may as well contribute something. And I look at the longevity of man. I, live how, I look how Methuselah lived to be 969 years of age. Can you imagine living to be that old? But the Bible says that one day we are going to live forever. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. We're going to study war no more. And we will never age. And we will dwell in the presence of God forever. Does that excite anybody? And then I begin to realize that God must have had some kind of plan. As he began to put all these things together, I begin to look at some of the people that God began to spare and God began to bless. And I think of three million people coming out of Egypt, and I see the Red Sea parting and them walking on dry ground. And then I see the enemy consumed in that, in that ocean because they were trying to hurt God's people. And then I see God feeding three million people with, with manna and quail, and he allowed fire at night to keep them warm, and I look at a cloud by day to, to keep them cool. And then I think about Gideon taking 300 men and destroying an army of thousands. Then I learned that there are two angels that defeated an army of 185,000 of the enemy because they were trying to hurt God's people. Then I think about Elijah that had the ability to call fire from heaven. Moses had the ability to stop the sun and moon for 24 hours. And then I think about even the animal kingdom, how they were a part of what God was doing because the, the, the donkey spoke. The whale swallowed, the raven fed, that God has the ability even to affect the animal kingdom, that if we're in trouble, if we need some help, that God can send a whale to swallow us, a raven to feed us. Hello, do I have a friend in the house this morning? That, and even, and I, I personally believe there are many jackasses in my life that have spoke to me wisdom and tried to help me become a better person. And then I think about Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction. And then I think about how God spared Lot and his family. And then I think about how little David killed Goliath, how Samson defeated 1,000 warriors. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, how God was there with them. And the 
king looked and he saw the fourth man. And I'm here to tell you the fourth man is here with us. His name is Andy. He walks with us. He talks with us. And he tells us that we are his own. I think about the handwriting on the wall. Then I think about the birth of Jesus, the miraculous birth, born the seed of a woman because the seed of the man came from the Holy Spirit. I think about his life. I think about his miracles. I think about his death. And then I think about his resurrection. And then I realize God wasn't bored at all. He was creating a people that he could spoil and bless and love for all of eternity. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. If you're away from the Lord this morning and you're not where you need to be, I'm here to tell you that God has a place for you. He has a plan for you. Before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you'd be here today. He knew what the music would do. He knew what the testimonies would do. He knew what the word would do. And he loves you. And he's gone to a great deal of trouble to purchase you. He loves you just the way you are. He may hate your sin, but he loves you. And he will not leave you the way he found you. He will change you if you'll give him that opportunity. In the privacy of this moment, in the confidence of you and God, if you're here this morning and you're not where you need to be with the Lord, just put your hand up, put it right back down. I won't embarrass you.